Hello and welcome to the Digital Insight, the technology, procurement and supply chain podcast that delivers valuable C-level perspective into the core issues surrounding business transformation and digital disruption. Each episode will bring you the most inspiring executive insights from those who are leading transformation strategies within the world's biggest and best-known companies. The Digital Insight. Disrupt. Transform. Avon. Welcome to the Digital Insight, the official podcast series for CPO Strategy and Interface Magazines. Today we're joined by Lawrence Parks, CEO of digital experience agency Rufus Leonard. Lawrence will be exploring differentiation with digital and the importance of designing your own digital ecosystem experience. Talk a little bit about you first. Um, maybe if you could just introduce yourself and your role at Rufus Leonard, and, and just give us a little bit of a, an overview as to what Rufus Leonard does. Um, so I am Lawrence Parks. I am the CEO of uh, Rufus Leonard. Uh, been in the role for um, just over a year. I have to say, it wasn't the end of the first year I had hoped for, <laughs> uh, with everything that's gone on in the wider world. Um, prior to being CEO, I was um, Chief Strategy Officer. So my background has been uh, in sort of marketing strategy uh, from day one. Um, for about 20 years, I was in advertising for my sins um, uh, and uh, sort of caught the digital bug about uh, uh, 10 years ago uh, and realized that was an opportunity to use my skills to um, create things that people might value enough uh, that they might want to buy as opposed to mostly try to avoid which was true of advertising um, and so I, I started my long journey into kind of I guess service design uh, and uh, I, I sort of before Rufus Leonard I was at AKQA uh, in Amsterdam um, relatively well-known um, digital agency but it was really interesting having experienced uh, working at AKQA were, were fantastic at um, uh, sort of digital implementation um, but actually unlike the ad agencies didn't have the imagination to be able to define um, uh, uh, what a brand was about as, as well as delivering it through digital experience so when I was looking coming back to London from Amsterdam I was looking for um, a company that had that mix of both the brand understanding that I'd experienced in ad agencies but then the detailed sort of digital delivery that I'd experienced at AKQA um, and I met the guys at Rufus Leonard and realized that they had the ingredients, but they just hadn't been able to pull these two bits together. <laughs> so they were kind of describing themselves as the brand and digital agency at the time. Um, and, and my observation to them was that kind of actually it's the, the future of marketing in my mind, and still still to this day, is being able to combine those two bits. So so understanding how how a brand is, what a brand's point of difference is and, and how it kind of uh, resonates with consumers, its consumers, but then delivering that point of difference. Uh, through digital. Uh, what kind of brands are you working with at the moment? Uh, so we uh, work with uh, what we call sort of service brands. And they're some of the, the kind of best known sort of service brands in certain areas. Um, so financial services, um, we, we work with Aviva, with uh, 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 Lloyds Banking Group, uh, and a number of others. We also work with uh, what we call scale-ups kind of in the um, I guess, uh, hospitality area. So we have uh, a, uh, a client called the Student Hotel, um, who are a massively growing sort of hotel chain, student accommodation and hotels in Europe, um, and the Gym Group, um, who are a massively growing sort of uh, uh, low-cost gym. 
Uh, and uh, and what's interesting about sort of both the student hotel and the gym group is they um, the the digital work that we do for them is sort of fundamental to how they deliver their 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 value proposition to consumers. So, um, for example, on the gym, the the platform we built for them and the experience that, that that is enabled by that platform kind of enables them to deliver a good experience, but for the low cost that is their positioning in the market. Um, so we're sort of uh, we're kind of uh, now increasingly picking up more of those kind of scale ups where the platform is is sort of central to the business. And I guess there's a lot of uh, enterprises, brands, uh, businesses, if you like, um, which really haven't um, fully tapped into and unlocked a lot of the digital potential they have. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's interesting. The the we are very aware, kind of, from the fact that we have this brand sort of background. Uh, that there's been over the last kind of 10 years, I guess, a kind of rush to really simplify the experiences that consumers have uh, and make them as frictionless as possible and apply sort of best practice from a from a end user point of view. But in, in doing that, and you could understand it because kind of prior to, to this drive, um, due to legacy systems, kind of often the digital experiences were really kind of convoluted and, and uh, unintuitive. Um, but in the drive to kind of simplify, um, often a lot of the the elements that that um, create that kind of point of difference, that kind of unique, I guess, um, personality of a brand or kind of specific features that, that that make a brand stand out versus competitors have sort of disappeared. It's what um, Forrester called digital sameness, and they've identified it across a, a number of different um, uh, different markets. And we've sort of been quite quite highly sensitive to that or tuned to that and seen it coming um and so our uh, you know our, our intent is to keep obviously the 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 experiences as uh intuitive for consumers but allow at, at choice moments for the brand to come back in and, and deliver something different and therefore kind of driving loyalty um for consumers yeah because i mean obviously it's integral for well in many reasons for for brands to keep up with uh with these kind of platforms and, and building a digital ecosystem, um, mainly because they they're just simply not going to survive, are they? Unless they unless they're keeping up with uh, competitors and um... it's really interesting at the moment. So um, obviously, with what we've just experienced over the last three months, and obviously we'll continue to experience that the the kind of the the understanding of how important it is to to get those digital transformation sort of programs sort of either kicked off for those those who are really slow or kind of accelerated for those who have already started the journey. Is just uh, is is uh, you know is just become very very clear. Um, can't count can't count the number of businesses that have realised they, they they need a digital presence to be able to sell their wares online. Now they can't do it physically. Um, so yeah, so it's it's if any if any organisation was in doubt of the need to have a digital presence and you make use of these platforms, kind of I, I think there'll be very few of them that do now. Mm. And you touched upon there kind of some of the. Um... Some of the kind of pitfalls, if you like, and some of the some of the sort of cul-de-sacs, you know, that brands and enterprises can find themselves in. Um, what you know, what what other kind of uh, what other challenges do they face in in terms of, of reaching their kind of digital potential? If you like? So, as uh, sort of client uh, customers' expectations sort of grow, and and uh, the platforms that organisations need to use um, to deliver the, those experiences. Um, get more complex. Uh, I think there's a there's a challenge for for organisations to orchestrate 
the digital experience across um, multiple third party and owned platforms. I mean, we've seen it kind of, you know, I used to talk about it when I was in advertising of how sort of uh, uh, media fragmentation was making it difficult to have consistency of message across all of the different, you know, increasing channels um, that brands need to, to work on. But it's true also through digital experience and the, and the platform fragmentation that kind of is happening. Obviously, you, you need multiple platforms to deliver the experience, but, but then you've got the problem of kind of, I guess, the making sure that they work nicely with each other and well with each other and the, the, the gaps aren't revealed to the end user, I guess. Um, so so that's, that's definitely an area. Um, uh, and there are kind of a number of sort of ways that, that, to, to um, uh, solve that. But then also, you know, increasingly, like the gym group who, you know, as I said, kind of their platform is, is the business, is the way that they deliver their value proposition. Um, uh, increasingly, the, the business logic, the sort of um, uh, the, the logic that kind of allows a, a, a business to deliver the value proposition and also the data that it holds on its customers and, and the ways that it delivers kind of those unique experiences. Increasingly, those that business logic is housed in these third-party platforms. So, you know, if you're not careful, kind of you, you, you might have some sort of strategically important business log- logic um, sat in a CMS that, um, that you have no control over in terms of the, the, ro- the development roadmap um, or kind of whether they still exist as an organization. You might find kind of, uh, if you're unlucky, that, that key parts of the way that you do, do business might disappear if that third party um, goes under. So yeah, so there's 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 a real challenge there for businesses, and I think increasingly there's an understanding that um, that business logic should be housed um, in systems owned by the organisation, um, so that, uh, that, that there isn't that risk um, of, of it disappearing overnight uh, should anything happen. The 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 last area, which is a, a classic problem, and we've experienced this, you know, this is this is. Arguably, there are silos when you have more than two people in a room. Um, <laughs> um, but but most organisations, however uh, established or, or new, kind of there will be fiefdoms and and uh, and silos um, that that can, from a from a from an end user point of view, from a consumer point of view, you know they don't care how you are internally structured. They just care they're getting an experience that that is meaningful and and relevant to them. Um, but unfortunately, often those silos kind of get in the way of delivering that kind of seamless, uh, seamless experience for the, for the end user. So, I mean, I know a, a major bank, not, not one, not our client, um, uh, uh, where kind of content is, is being, is being created in multiple different places. And there's huge inefficiencies as a result of doubling up on work, kind of a misunderstanding of the core strategy, sort of non-experts creating sort of uh, content outputs. Um, uh, and, that, and that's that's in a relatively simple thing in terms of content, but but in something more complex like uh, digital platforms, it can create even more even more challenges. Yeah, I mean certainly a lot of the uh, business leaders I speak to, um, you know, obviously a lot of the conversation uh, revolves around overcoming these kind of legacy systems and and siloed organisations. Um, and um, you know, how how do you when you're faced with a new client or whatever, how does that process kind of start in terms of you evaluating kind of what's not happening and what should be happening? It's a really, it's a really good question because we um, are, are at pains uh, to effectively onboard clients when we start working with them. 
um, uh, uh, even for projects that are uh, might be might feel a little bit um, implementational to begin with. Um, what we tend to do is sort of we got a we got a process called uh, business impact matrix, which kind of really allows us to unearth across multiple stakeholders really what their agendas are <laughs> individually and collectively um uh, and it's one of those kind of it's one of those things that it's a i mean it's it's a it's a stand it's a workshop basically but but the st- structure structure in such a way that kind of um you often see sort of uh, moments of revelation in these meetings where 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 the the different um sort of heads of of a client organization realize that they, they've got objectives that are, that are at odds with each other <laughs> and they and but they're all after an ult, ultimate kind of uh, a top line sort of goal for the organization but realize they're working against each other um so so often so often kind of you know just by airing those uh, agendas and and saying look you know it helps it's helpful for us as a third party to get a sense of what you're all trying to do you actually immediately start solving the problem for them by airing kind of where those those tensions exist um so yeah we and obviously from a from a from an agency consultancy point of view that's that's gold dust hearing kind of uh, uh those uh those agendas from the mouths of the of the people in charge um and that often you know will actually change the original brief um where we kind of identify what the real problem is rather than what the problem is that they they thought to put down in the brief to us sort of thing um so yeah, so that's so so it's something that we've kind of evolved over over time and kind of I guess uh, still continue to optimize our onboarding process. But but that tool is is uh, a key element of it. Really. I mean, obviously, a lot of uh, you know a lot of discussions these days um, will, will center around customer experience, won't it? And and even in areas which um, maybe traditionally wouldn't have um, kind of crossed with. Um, you know, digital technology, you know, customers now are expecting that same kind of experience on in that same kind of journey, um, whether it's um, looking for a football result or whether it's um, buying some car insurance. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really, it's been fascinating to watch how, um, and actually is still in the process, who within organisations owns the customer experience. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, there's been a increase in people being, Chief experience officers or chief commercial, uh, chief customer officers. Um, uh, we're we're fairly um, sort of well, like to keep things simple, and kind of think that really the kind of the these new uh, CXO or CCOs are really just newfangled ways of talking about the CMO. Ultimately, you've got a, a good CMO. They should understand the customer, understand the customer needs, and and have a, have all of that insight at their fingertips. The key relationship, as we see it. Is uh, that CMO relationship? You know, understanding the cons- the person who is is understanding the consumer as best as they can, um, and the CIO who understands the the enterprise technology and and is in charge of that. And bringing those two roles together, whatever they are called in an organisation, um, we think is key. Um, uh, and we've uh, it's interesting. I mean, you know, by dint of us having sort of brand. Um, uh, uh, expertise historically and digital expertise we sort of in different parts of the business can talk the language of the CMOs and the language of the CIOs often uh, they don't they don't talk the same language and they and it's very difficult for them to actually um, uh, work together as a result of that you know different agendas kind of different language etc etc and we often that kind of um, synchromesh or translator between the two um, uh, to help them um, kind of identify that you know the CMO is craving sort of to deliver experiences that the 
that their customers um, are after. And the CIO has got the access to the platforms that will enable it. So um, the, the quicker they can come together and the more seamlessly they can come together, um, the quicker that the customers will get the experience that, that they want. Um, but but it, it's, it's a, yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating to be a, the go between between those two, <laughs> two uh, disciplines within an organization. And also, I was, I was quite intrigued by, um, by the uh, reference to hero moments on the bottom line as well, and, and the blueprint that kind of outlines the impact of that. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, again, this is something that we've uh, um, developed over kind of, uh, well, the last five years, certainly. But it's, it's really sort of identifying uh, those moments along the customer journey um, where you might want to um, invest as an organization to create something that is distinct um, and, and uh, uh, more than just the frictionless kind of um, uh, uh, journey in other places. Because obviously, you know, uh, in order, there are many moments in a customer's journey where um, they just want to do something really quickly and uh, they just want to get in and out and, and don't want to be bothered. Um, but there are other uh, moments in the journey where you have an opportunity as a brand to create something which is distinctive, which is unique, which which um, ideally is memorable as well for the, the end user. So um, they consciously and explicitly say, I really like this brand because I get this experience from them um, uh, to the extent that they will um, they'll want to come back for that specific thing but also hopefully talk to their friends and, and families about it and be the reason that they might advocate for the brand um, to other people um, but but obviously you don't want to invest in creating kind of that 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 what we call here a moment that kind of point of difference across every single touch point because you'd, you'd be you'd be spending far too much money so one of the things that we uh, do as we kind of work with uh, with the clients is uh, identify those moments along the journey where there's there's a, a pain point for a customer that they really care about, um, uh, where you as an organisation can solve um, uh, uh, that need, solve that problem, but do it in a way that is that is unique and zero in on those moments and invest in those moments to drive the most value, both for the for the end user for the customer, but also um, for the business, because there will also be amongst those hero moments moments which actually don't necessarily drive business impact in the short term and you might still invest in those because they might drive um, brand equity in the long run but ideally you'd be creating you you create hero moments that drive both the brand equity you know the 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 um what people think of the brand but also actually hard sales in the moment so it drives uh, conversion and gets people to either upsell, cross-sell, or or, or um, buy again. You know, um, so so we'll 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 be at pains about kind of obviously from a long list of potential hero moments that we've identified based on our understanding of the brand and the customer and the technology stack that the organisation has, whittling it down to those where they really ought to invest because it, it it hits those sweet spot that sweet spot of important to customer but 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 impactful for the business in the long term and the short term. Um, have there been any sort of particularly um, satisfying projects that you've worked on in terms of how you've been able to turn things around from a digital perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned I mentioned the the Gin Group earlier. Um, that that I would say is uh, one of the most um, satisfying because um, the the moment was most satisfying was when uh, they went to IPO um, uh, uh, in 2015. So we've been working with them for quite a few years. Um, and uh, and the work that we had done with them, so uh, creating their um, experience uh, services architecture, kind of a key part of their tech stack, 
um, uh, in such a way that they owned the business logic. It was called out as one of the um, competitive advantages that they have over their key competitor, Pure Gym. Um, uh, so, so something that was kind of called out by those for, by investors as going right. This is this is, this has a this is a key tranche of how they deliver their business. That was that was great. But then, but then ongoing since then, because we've been obviously doing a lot since 2015 with them. The fact that we'd created this um, uh, uh, this what we call it. An, uh, an omni-channel experience API, but it's really kind of just a part of their tech stack that, that enables them to um, more effectively plug in new sources of customer data um, and, and then plug out new um, interfaces for customers. So a good example of that, they, um, about a year and a year and a half ago, um, put in, in some of their key, um, uh, uh, most of their gyms, I believe, um, these FitQuest machines, which is, is basically a glorified weighing machine, um, but then tracks your uh, body mass index and various other sort of you know um, uh, things that you might want to track when you're when you're training. Um, and uh, because we'd set up this this system, they were able to um, extremely quickly in a matter of weeks um, uh, enable the data that's being gathered by the individual um, uh, uh, into uh, the system and out into the the, the app, their app. So that they could um, track um, how they were doing uh, on weight and uh, body mass index, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and it's because we'd set up the system that it was so easy to to put these in and, and get them up and running um, uh, really quickly. So so we're sort of enabling them in a cost effective way to to drive that innovation and be able to continue to drive their differentiation versus their competitors. So so it's almost that kind of like the the hard graft of putting these things in place. You then you know see the the, the clients, um, uh, organizations benefiting them from, from them kind of in the long run, I guess. That's the one of the most satisfying things. And obviously, because of, you know, where you place as a business, you know, you're dealing kind of uh, almost, you know, looking back historically at brands that need to catch up and need to kind of um, maintain, you know, their businesses with what's going on in the, in the tech, you know, technological landscape. Um, how, how, does, how do you see your role or Rufus Leonard's role kind of evolving over the next sort of year or so? I mean, can you see differences in the way that you will be operating and, and, and the work that you'll be doing? Yeah, that's, a, uh, that's, the, that's the big question right now, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I think, um, I think the, the reality is uh, every, every client organisation needs its partners to be uh, more flexible, even more flexible than they have in the past. Um, and and almost almost more even more modular, because while the understanding of the importance of you know how the the a tech stack kind of delivers the the desired customer experiences, that, that, even though the understanding for that is is, is increased, um, budgets are going to be tight, and budgets are going to be heavily controlled, and uh, and every sort of investment will require a clear business case and 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 visible ROI. Um, and in that context, kind of I think what we're certainly um, uh, putting in place currently is enabling us to uh, be more be more fleet of foot for our clients and and um, deliver projects in a in a ch more chunked up way if that makes sense. So uh, I've been been inspired by there's a, um, a really uh, high-end Japanese restaurant in Tokyo um, that when lockdown happened um, uh, uh, basically sort of uh, could could have uh, uh, stopped 
sort of innovating um, uh, and and seen the the business decline because they were they were kind of really high end. It was all about the the restaurant experience uh, and uh, and you know a, a meal there for for two with wine. Kind of we're talking about sort of you know up to a thousand pounds. Sort of you know, very very high end. Now what they what they've done is uh, um, uh, go into bento boxes. Now these bento boxes still are hugely innovative in the way that they are kind of you know choice of flavors and ingredients etc. And they're still really expensive. So we're talking about hundred pounds worth of bento box or an individual bento box. Um, so they're keeping all of the the things that are true of the brand in terms of being innovative, in terms of being luxury. Um, but they but they pivoted into something that is um, uh, better for delivery as opposed to the restaurant experience. And I'm sort of inspired by that, and that's the kind of what what I'm imagining kind of Rufus will be doing more of. So so keeping our upstream strategic kind of consultancy that that clients look for us for, um, but but enabling clients who need that flexibility to buy into that and get that in a in a more cost effective but also um, uh, a faster sort of sense. So it's almost wrapping up our um, strategic consultation into bite-sized chunks. <laughs> how how that how that will happen I, it is currently live, right? <laughs> but, but that's my vision for for how how things will change. You know, the drive to um, be customer centric and how that has kind of created the sort of uh, this digital sameness because everyone's chasing the same, arguably the same customers and solving the same problems. Um, and and obviously trying to get the right balance and going, you know, we still need to be customer cent- consumer centric or customer centric, but we also need to be brand led and technologically inspired. Um, and it's getting the balance between those three things rather than just going hell for leather for the consumer centricity. And there's still there's still a bunch of organisations that that are behind the curve on the customer centricity. Really, a friend of mine is a, um, doing a, an executive MBA, and she, she was saying kind of most of the people on the MBA are saying we're still we're still product and 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 sales driven, not not consumer centric. Um, so there's still work to be done there. But as we as we focus on the consumer, let's not forget um, the organisation's kind of uh, point of difference. You know, that's you know really what we mean by brand. Um, and and the the strategic assets that they have technology technologically and could have within reach, um, and it's a, it's it's combining those three things that I think uh, is the re- is is where the real value lies for for organisations. And I think we we try to reflect that internally. So um, we're, we're we're we are proud on to have on on almost all of our projects uh, a mix of, of strategists who kind of. Uh, set up to understand you know do the consumer research and understand the consumer's designers whether they're ux visual audio etc and technologists so kind of the the blended team across those three uh, areas reflecting that consumer centric but brand-led and, and technologically inspired thank you for listening to the digital insight podcast in association with the interface.net and cpostrategy.com the digital insight is brought to you by b2e media limited we hope you enjoyed this episode please remember to subscribe rate and review and don't forget to check out our podcast archive at www.b2e-media.com forward slash the digital insight